Welcome to Odd Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by the great Rod Babers. Hook him, Rod. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, brother. I'm excited. Ready to roll. Yeah, let's let's get going a little bit. Uh, yesterday, you and I talked about the Washington pass offense, Michael Penix and, and that, his crew of receivers, really, uh, yeah. that uh, Texas is going to be most concerned with. Uh, today, we're going to flip the sides of the ball. Texas and Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, uh, Adonai Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Cedric Baxter, Jordan Whittington, all those guys, the Texas offensive line versus the Washington defense. Uh, statistically, overall, this one looks a little bit more lopsided than the other matchup. But what, what are your uh, initial thoughts overall, Rod, before we get into specifics? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, this is where Texas, this is why I think it could end up being a shootout, right? We talked about Texas weakness on defense. One of the few weaknesses is their pass defense and the strength of Washington's offense, their pass offense, the best in the country. Well, you flip that now and looking at the pass defense for Washington, it is their biggest flaw. Uh, with their uh, entire roster right now. Even though they got some good players there, uh, they give up a lot of yards. They're one of the worst pass defenses in the country, uh, and they don't pressure the opposing quarterback really well either. Uh, in terms of getting uh, pressure on the opposing quarterback, that's not something they do really well. If you go look at overall in uh, sack numbers, uh, they're one of the worst in the country. If you go look at overall pass defense, as you can see, they're one of the worst in the country. Uh, they only got, I believe, 19 sacks, something like that on the season. Uh, and there's one guy you have to worry about pretty much on the opposing defensive front that is a dude. Uh, we'll talk about him that can really uh, cause some uh, cause some chaos for Texas and really wreak some havoc on Quinn Ewers in the passing game. But Texas can game plan for Braylon Trice. He's the guy, and we'll give uh, talk about him and give him some flowers a little bit later on. But I think this is where Texas can win the game. Quinn Ewers coming off his best performance uh, as a as a Longhorn, some would say even in his football career in that game versus Oklahoma State, where he, Oklahoma State where he set all kinds of records. The way they did it was Texas started out that game coming out in power sets. They were actually in more 21 personnel and in more 12 personnel early on in the first 24 plays than they were in 11 personnel. That is highly irregular for Sark. Sark is a, usually 50% 11 person, 50% or more 11 person. Guy. He loves his wide receivers on the field, but going in that game against Oklahoma State, he pulled the okie doke the rope-a-dope, whatever you want to call it, because uh, he made them think we're going to run the football, especially coming off that game against Iowa State, coming off uh, that game against Texas Tech. I guess they were thinking, hey, they're going to run the football because they've done it so well, and you present power personnel packages, but they pivoted to play action pass principles, and Quinn Ewers was brilliant. Now, I'm not sure that's what they'll do in this game. Um, there are other ways for Sark to attack them in the passing game. And one of the things he did last year was really interesting. I went back and watched last year's Alamo Bowl, and he came out, and I, I noticed this, and it attracted and went back and got my notes. Uh, Sark's not a huge fan of empty formation. I am. You hear me talking about empty formation all the time when there's no backs in the backfield, only a quarterback in the backfield. And last season against Washington and Alamo Bowl, they had more targets in empty formation than they had all season long with Quinn Ewers. And I don't know if it was game plan specific or if you wanted to open things up for Quinn Ewers. Usually your process speeds up in empty formation. Sack rates usually drop based on my, my data. And I've been tracking it at Texas since 2020, even that, so in the Sam Ellinger era, different coaches, different personnel. And it's still highly explosive in terms of your explosive play rates, really high and first down conversion rate. Interesting thing about Quinn, though, 
when Quinn became the starting quarterback, the numbers in empty formation dropped. Productivity, efficiency, effectiveness, it actually all dropped in my tracking of the data. So I wonder if that's why Sark went away from it. But in that game versus Washington, he broke tendency. What I always say to win big games, you got to break tendency. He had, he had, and I've, what I tracked is nine plays out of empty formation, averaging eight yards per play. Uh, he had eight targets. He actually had one rush out of empty formation, and he had a, a first down out of that, by the way. It was a 12 yard run, but they had eight uh, targets out of empty formation, 87% completion percentage. All right, only one incompletion. And it, it cleaned things up for Quinn a little bit. Now, I wonder if they'll do it. I'm not sure if it was a schematic thing. I got to go back and look at Washington a little bit more to find out why he broke tendency um, in that game. But that's something you could see to spread Washington out. Now you got better personnel, right? Last year, Xavier Worthy had his worst game, arguably, as a longhorn in that game. You didn't have A.D. Mitchell. You got a much better J.T. Sanders, a much better Jordan Whittington. I always wonder if they're going to spread him out in this game, especially Quinn coming off that his best game ever, and let Quinn wheel and deal a little bit empty. I will say this, though. He gets sacked in empty formation where you're not supposed to. And I, it's 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 based on his progression, uh, the, how slow he is in the progressions. Progressions are supposed to speed up in empty. And for, for Quinn, they don't. That doesn't make sense, guys. As a as a football theorist, tracking empty, everything speeds up. The clock of the, the quarterback speeds up and sack rates. They drop because the ball comes out so quick. But with Quinn, he got sacked twice in the Iowa State game in empty. I tracked four sacks this year out of empty and that's on him holding on to the ball too damn long because you already know the read is cleaned up bobby you're responsible for that free rusher that's on you you got to get rid of the football there is a matchup advantage there you got to find it so i wonder now if sark may trust his quarterback a little bit more and something he broke Tennessee with just something i saw I'm not saying you're going to see it it's just something i noticed last season that was a little bit peculiar i want to ask you two questions about empty and then what i term self-sack you know, because I think that may be oh, part of it. That's good. But first, but first, I want to say thanks to our, our sponsor, uh, John Donovan at Longhorn Wealth Management. Uh, guys, uh, John, happy birthday today. It's his uh, birthday. John is, <laughs> John is also thrilled that our Longhorns made the CFP playoff, and he expects the Sugar Bowl to be a burnt orange party, just like today will be a party at Longhorn Wealth. His, today is John's birthday. Uh, but John also wants to give each of you a present by offering a 90-minute free consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you achieve your own financial goals by developing tax-free income for your retirement, tax-free funding for your kids' or grandkids' college education, and tax-free wealth transfer to your heirs. So please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's 972-707-4900. All right. I got getting back to the term self-sack. I like that. Isn't that more of what Quinn Ewers was doing against? He was like running into trouble. Brian yeah. Irwin, like the coach that we had lunch with the coach with, he talked about uh, uh, Quinn's, not necessarily his progressions being wrong or slower as much as his escape routes being uncertain. Like oh, I like the right gaps. Yeah. Is that part of what that is? When I mean, because Iowa State, I think both of those, I know which ones you're talking about, both of them came against, against three man rush. It wasn't like yeah. it was overloaded, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I told, I love that term, Bobby. I'm going to steal that term. I'll give you credit for it, but self sack. That is great. Because I love the analytics are showing that. 
quarterbacks are responsible for like half or more than half a sacks out there because they hold on to the ball. And you're right. It's all about how they maneuver in the pocket, uh, whether they get erratic in the pocket. Sometimes they end up leaving the pocket or they don't maneuver correctly in the pocket. Offensive linemen, they're expecting their quarterback to move in the pocket in a certain manner, and they base their their pass protection technique on that. And sometimes quarterbacks get erratic, they get crazy. I think sometimes that happens to Quinn, and it happened in an Iowa State game. And like I said, it happens in empty when it's not supposed to happen in empty as well because everything's supposed to speed up. But he's a mature quarterback. He's growing. That You even remarked that in the Oklahoma State game, um, you start to see him in the take game go through progressions, get deeper into progressions, and get there a little bit quicker. Uh, and the footwork also matching up with the mechanics. If that is the case, he would be lethal in empty formation because empty formation essentially will give you the predetermined read because they can only play one or two. They can zone up empty if they want to, but then that makes life way too damn easy. Most teams will either zone Oklahoma zone one side and they play man to the other. Like that's what most teams will try to do, some form of that. Or they'll just play man across the board and go either drop most of their guys, drop eight, and put a deep safety back, or they'll try to blitz. We're going all or nothing. We're going to have a blitz and play zero coverage. So they're only doing a few things. Quarterbacks should be able to know that. And when you got as many weapons as Texas has, oh, Texas should be great out of empty. But they also should be great in the red zone. And they haven't been. But my hope is that late in the season now, Texas peaking. In the red zone, which they had their best red zone performance of the season, all right, versus Oklahoma State. And that's something, too. Uh, uh, Washington is not a great red zone defense. We can talk about that as well. They're not great in the red zone. They're still, I want to say, around 78th in red zone defense. They're about 108th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Uh, they're not a great red zone defense. And also something that can really help Texas if they are indeed over their red zone issues. My point is, that doesn't match up with Texas personnel. Texas personnel, they have so much, you know, so many great players and they have so much weaponry. They're not supposed to struggle in the red zone. They're not supposed to struggle in empty, but they actually do. It's strange, you know, over the season, how teams, you know, certain concepts and theories don't necessarily line up when you put it into practice, right? It, you know, it, it just doesn't, it, it should, it should, but it just doesn't always add up to that. Got it. The one thing I was going to ask you about empty, wouldn't one of the reasons they went empty so much last year be that they were po possibly be they were they were without Rojan or Roshan and Bijan? You, yeah, he might, yeah. Was a little nicked up, even though he yeah, did play and play well. And yeah. Keelan Robinson was kind of running into a brick wall up the middle. So you might you might, you might admit it that may have pushed Steve Sarkeesian to playing going yeah. empty against him, and we may not necessarily see that as much. Or so, play in play. other words, was it out of necessity a year ago versus what they might do this year or, or do you think it still plays no matter what that that actually makes a lot of sense though bobby because you're right about that in terms of circumstances um i mean it this year you do have Jonathan brooks hurt so you do have injuries at uh the running yeah. back position but you're right there was there was more desperation then with rose post rojo rojo and Bijan and the injury to, to Jonathan brooks remember he said we'd see all three running backs in that game uh, looking at Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, and Jaden Blue. I mean, we never saw Jaden Blue, right, in that game. We'll say for some reason we never saw him. So you could be right about that. You could be. Um, yeah. I'm just right. obsessed about certain concepts. Let's talk. Let's go from here and talk about Texas running the ball. We just talked about the run, the running backs, uh, and versus the Washington defense. Uh, Matt, uh, our producer, will you put up the uh, the ru Texas rush offense versus the uh, the uh, Washington rush defense? Here it is, guys. 
they play to stop the run and then make teams beat them in the air. Is that is that a fair assessment? Uh, it is. It is. It is fair. And that's actually it plays into their strength. They don't have a lot of um, elite qualities as a defense, but they do stop the run relatively well, as you just remarked. And I believe the teams that Texas has played whose rush defense is on the same level or better than Washington is only like Alabama's rush defense and Iowa State's rush defense that Texas has played. And Iowa State's rush defense wasn't bad. And, of course, Alabama's rush defense is Alla freaking Bama. <laughs> Texas closed that game with the running game. And, actually, they closed both of those games, Bobby, with the running game. They closed that Iowa State game out with the running game, and they closed that Bama game out in the running game. Both were on the road. So just throwing it out there to make Lohan fans feel good about it. But I, I believe if you look at it statistically, those are – the, the the rush defenses that are as good, if not better, than Washington's. And like I said, Texas have been has been run. I expected a regression. They've been running the ball really well, even after the Jonathan Brooks injury. But getting back to how that plays to the the the, the strengths of the Washington defense, they're really good at taking the football away uh, in terms of their interception numbers. They, have, I believe, I believe they're tied with Texas with 16 interceptions. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, they got 16 interceptions on the season. Uh, no player has more than three. So that number spread out a little bit for them. Um, teams go into the game with them. that they, they end up having to go to the pass, especially getting second and long, maybe third and long. And then when you get behind the chains on them, predictable passing situations, that's when they can dial up. And I looked at their coverages that they like. Mm, they really like. Uh, basically, they'll be in single high coverages a lot of the times, whether it be cover three or whether it be uh, man coverage. They like man coverage around cover one around 20 percent of the time, play cover three close to 30 percent of the time. Uh, and then the rest of it, they fill in mostly with with cover four or some version of it. Um, that's those are the three favorite coverages. But simulated pressures. Remember my, what simulated pressures are basically a pressure that it looks like a blitz. It smells like a blitz. Sounds like a blitz, feels like a blitz, but it ain't a blitz. All right. It's a three or four man pressure, but they make it look like a blitz. You just don't know where the three or the four guys are coming from. Um, they can be coming from any level of the defense, can be coming from uh, any side of the defense. And that's the whole point is to confuse, discombobulate the, the, the pass protection. And they just don't know it's not the usual guys that are down that are coming. Uh, so that's the simulated pressure. And they run a lot of them. They're basically top 10 among power five teams. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. In uh, the, uh, I believe, no, actually, top 10, top 10 among power five teams in the amount of simulated pressures they run. Yes, top 10. So they run that, you use that term a lot in the quote unquote amoeba front of Dave Aranda. Yeah. Is it similar to that or is it, are there, are there tweaks to it? Yeah, you can, that's, that's the best way to get to it. 
to get to a simulated pressure, right? Because the point of the simulated pressure is to confuse blocking schemes. So in order to, 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 to even further confuse the blocking scheme, you use what they call either amoeba front or ghost front. Texas has used somebody called a radar front. Actually, I was watching the, uh, remember the interception that Michael Penix threw in the Alamo Bowl last season? Texas was doing it. They had like six guys. They were all standing up in a two-point stance. They had like three of their defensive linemen. They were all shifting and moving around. Um, some people call that an amoeba front, call it a ghost front, whatever. You just don't want the, the, the offensive line to be able to identify exactly where the pressure is coming from and who's coming. So you use those amoeba fronts to get to a simulated pressure. Now, you also can get to a blitz that way. Right, I mean, you know, we're going to send six. <laughs> we, we up here moving around. You don't know where we're coming from. We're going to send six. But we up here moving around. We don't know where we're coming from. We send three and we're dropping four, sending four or dropping three. But the offensive line has no idea which four or which three are dropping and which three or four are, you know, I mean, are, are, are coming. So that's the whole point of the simulated pressure. And we combined those that gave Texas some problems early on in the season. Even, you know, the Rice game was at Iowa State, actually used a little bit of it. Uh, so it, it is something that can give Texas some issues, and they're really good at it. That's kind of their bread and butter. That and Braylon Trice is how they create pressure, but they don't do it particularly well. They're not elite at it. It's just their favorite form of manufacturing pressure. I ask you this. Uh, you mentioned their defensive line, and you talk about Braylon Trice. You, yeah. you were talking about a guy yesterday that they're getting back for the first time all year. Uh, yeah. defensive end that you think may be a factor in this game for them as well. Yeah, it's, it, I was cyber stalking, you know, some Washington Huskies websites and some fan sites. And they've been, I've, I've heard the name a couple of times. There was actually a hashtag by the players, hashtag free dirt. If you go look at some of their, their hashtags on social media, you'll see hashtag free dirt. Like, what the hell is that? So there's this player that transferred from Sioux Falls. Remember, Kalen DeBoer initially started his coaching career in Sioux Falls. And it, that's where he kind of started his coaching career. And, and he was an up and coming there. So he still got great connections there. And this kid uh, was from Sioux Falls. And he had 11 sacks and 13 and a half tackles for loss in 2021 and transferred to Washington. I'm sure Kalen DeBoer found them. Or the people there told him about him. But the NCAA, like they have with a lot of people, they screwed him over. They didn't they didn't make him eligible. They made up some reason. He had a tough time, you know, working his way through the system, whatever. And they just cleared him. They just cleared him. And they cleared him for the Sugar Bowl. And it usually wouldn't be a big deal for somebody to get cleared for the Sugar Bowl. But Brock Hewitt, who covers Washington, and he is an analyst, uh, does color analyst work for the uh for games for ESPN and for a lot of other he's he's great, he's fantastic. But he he's a former Washington quarterback and he covers him. He's really close. He goes to practice. And this is his quote. I got his quote here. All right. He said, quote, when I was out at practice before the Oregon game in October and Kayla DeBoer was so gracious with me, he asked me that I could see any part of the uh, team I wanted to. And I said, I kind of wanted to look at the defense. And then DeBoer grabs me. This is his quote. Grabs me and points this guy out to me. And he's like, this guy right here, watch him. He has had to play on the scout team. You can't play with the ones. He's going up against the starters in practice. Troy uh, Fatanu, who's only allowed, I think, two sacks on the season, um, and Rose Garden, the other tackle. Ask them who this dude is. Ask them, and they will tell you he's one of the hardest guys on our team to block. He's an absolute baller. That's Brock Hewitt quoting Kalen DeBoer. Then he goes on to say, this is Brock Hewitt. 
This dude is going to come in here, and I'm just telling you right now, as you watch the Texas game, you're going to watch the game, and Husky fans are going to say, who is this guy they just picked up off the street? Is this some freshman? Is this some early enrollee? I didn't think that happened until spring ball. Where did they get this guy? He is powerful. He is a powerful 260-pound, explosive, explosive, explosive. He used it three times. Difference maker. He says, and Brock Hewitt says, he is going to be a force in the semifinal. And Kalen DeBoer was hoping that he would be cleared seven, eight, nine weeks ago, but he's cleared just in time for their playoff push. He says he's going to play. And not just play, he's going to be a force. He said force. He said force. Okay. I'm just throwing, I'm just, I, I'm, they, they are, they, I'm just saying they're all a buzz about this guy. Zach Durfee is his name. All right. That's his last name. Thing, the last thing Texas fans need is another thing to worry about, Rod. <laughs> no, no. I, no, no, I'm not saying worried about it. I hope it just leaks to the, the 40 acres over there. Like, hey, don't be surprised by some dude named Zach Durfee. Do the research. PK got connections. Sark's got connections up there. Just, hey, go make sure you ain't – he ain't even got a number. I don't even know what his number is because this is the first time I've heard of him, but they're they're really excited about him. My point being, pressure is going to be – the only thing that could really screw up Texas offense against Washington, in my opinion, two things. Turnovers. We talked about them having 16 interceptions. I like their secondary. Their secondary is long and rangy. Some good-looking athletes, man. They're not consistent, and they're not necessarily um, – I wouldn't necessarily say that they're great or even good, <laughs> but they're, they're, they got nice-looking athletic traits because they're long and rangy. I like Jabbar Muhammad. By the way, I think he is kinfolk to Malik Muhammad, ain't he? Yes, he is. cousin I can't – I don't know yeah. which. Um, he's a good player. He's a really good player. Jabbar Muhammad, he oh, transferred from Oklahoma State. He's got three picks, 12 pass breakups. He's their best cover guy by far. Um, Dominique Hampton is a really good, he's their safety, probably a leading tackler. Really good. I mean, he's he'll, he's all over the field. 6'3", 220. Long, rangy. Um, Elijah Johnson, the same thing. He's a long, rangy athlete for him. He's 6'1", 191. Um, um, Mich- uh, Michelle Powell. He's like, he's got three interceptions, six reviews. He's 6'1", 210. They're just long. And I think that's why they get their hands on so many balls. I just think people kind of, they they really kind of miss, you know, they kind of miscalculate how long and rangy these guys are and how they can make plays on the football. And that goes to what they do well is stop the run, force you to throw. They know you can throw. These guys will take chances on the football. They'll take chances and it pays off for them too. So that's something like if Texas turns the ball over, what's, Quinn's not known for doing, so I'm not worried about that. That will be an outlier performance. Um, it's happened every now and then, but it happens to every quarterback. But I don't expect that to happen to Quinn. But if they do turn the ball over, that could end up flipping the script in favor of Washington. And Braylon Trice, if they cannot block this dude. This dude, is he's a dude. He's a grown man out there. He's going to be a first-round pick. If he ain't a first-round pick, he'll be at the top of the second round, and somebody going to be giddy to get him. Because he's a and PK knows him very well, so he ain't gonna surprise him. Guy, he led the FBS in pressures last season with 70 of them on his own. He's had 68 pressures so far this year. But here's the thing: 49 of them in the last five weeks. 49. Yeah, dog. He's damn near in a game. Yeah, 49 of them since week nine. Yeah. Exactly. He's on he's on a tear. He's starting to I don't know if he was hurt early on and just got healthy. I have no idea. I'm not that close to it. I got to do some more research, but he's strong. He's got a bull rush that is already NFL caliber bull rush. 
and he had 16 uh, pressures this year versus Stanford. That was the second most that in a game uh, by any defender that pro football fo- focus has tracked since they became an, an entity in 2014. And the, the 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 number one spot for most pressures in the game is his performance uh, versus Washington State in 2022. Dude, and he it doesn't he doesn't always cash in. He's got nine sacks last season, eight and a half. Uh, no, sorry, five this year with eight and a half tackles for loss. So he doesn't always cash in, but man, he can make a quarterback life hell. Quarterback, it, they better have a plan for him, Bobby. Got to have a plan for that dude. That sounds crazy to me, those numbers. All right, uh, we want to say thanks. I want to ask you uh, one more question about their run defense, especially up the middle, Rod. So uh, prepare that while I say thanks to our sponsor. Uh, John Donovan is thrilled that our Longhorns made the college football playoff, and he expects the Sugar Bowl to be a burnt orange party. Just like today will be or is at Longhorn Wealth, because today is John Donovan's birthday. John wants to give each of you a present by offering a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you achieve your own financial goals by developing tax-free income for your retirement, tax-free funding for your kids or grandkids' college education, and tax-free wealth transfer to your heirs. So please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Rob, we don't think Texas is going to be able to run it up the middle against Washington, right? Uh, last year, they certainly weren't able to. The, the team is a, a year older now, should be better. Uh, what, what is Texas going to have to do in the run game, in your opinion? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I honestly think Texas is going to come out and pass to open up the run um, and, and make them defend every blade of grass and make them defend all the weapons that Texas has available. And once they do that, you'll automatically lose the numbers game. And I think that's the biggest reason why – the running game has not regressed, even though you lost a great back in Jonathan Brooks, who could have won the Doak Walker if he didn't get hurt. Uh, you know, you lost Bijan and Rojo from last season, who were two elite NFL running backs now, who made that the best running back room in the country. Um, I think why they, we haven't we didn't see regression to start the season, and we haven't seen regression even after the Jay Brooks injury, is because you got to defend all those weapons. You got to defend AD now. AD Mitchell with his what ten touchdowns or whatever he's got. You got to respect that now at the end of the season. They, it ain't He's not going to surprise you like he did in the Bama game. You're like, who is that guy? Now everybody knows who he is now. All right. And Xavier Worthy, uh, his reputation, all right, it proceeds him. So you got to double him or roll safety coverage to one or two of those guys. You don't want to leave him in man-to-man coverage consistently. And then you got, oh, we're about JT Sanders too. So Jay Witt, uh, congratulations. You get man-to-man coverage all the time just by <laughs> process of elimination. I ain't got enough to fit. I can't and, – and, and nobody but, you know, elite – Football teams in the college football playoff, but not Washington, have the have enough defenders to match up with all the Texas weapons. Nobody in the Big 12 really can do that. So I don't expect Washington to be able to do it either. I do expect them to Texas to throw the football to open up the run. I think they know if they come out and just try to run the football against Washington, you may end up behind the chains. And that's what you don't want. What you want to stay is ahead of the chains with this group. What you want to say is in favorable downs against this group, because if you are in second long and third long consistently, then that's how you know you're going to be thrown into a very opportunistic secondary that can make some plays on the ball because they're long and rangy. All right. That's Rod Babers. I got to say this, Rod, before we we get going. Uh, You have an admirer out there. I talked to someone this morning, uh, Bob Shipley. Uh, I call him Bob Shipley. Yeah. After we did the coffee and football uh, episode this morning, Bob came on and visited with us. 
He said, man, I love Rod's takes. I, I, I think they're all right. <laughs> oh, that's, that means a lot to me, man. Uh, you have a little bit of an admirer there. But oh, dog. that means a lot to me, man. That, 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 I got to tell you, you just made my week right there. That's a, that's a football right. guy. That's a football that, coach. Right it. Talking ball uh, with Rod Babers. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, guys, uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning with Coffee and Football. Rod, hook him, buddy. Hook him.